your host, Dmitry Filipovich. Welcome to the Hockeypedia cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy, Jesse Marshall. Jesse, what's going on, man? Dmitry, good to be back for another year of uh, player analysis. Thanks for having me. It's our first installment of the film club for the 2023-2024 season. It's going to take some getting used to to get the uh, seasons right here. After a, I would say, Calder-worthy debut by us last season, uh, introducing this concept on the podcast, we've listened to the people. And this year, we're going to try to blow it out even further. So we're going to incorporate some video moving forward. It's actually going to live up to its name, the film club. And... You can actually watch along with us as we're talking. If you're interested in doing so, I experimented with it last week with Daryl Belfry. We did a, a Jack Hughes episode, which I really liked and people seem to enjoy. Uh, big shoes to fill for us here, but you can go on the Hockey PDOcast YouTube channel to watch that. Don't worry, though, if you're still consuming this in your car, on your way to work, doing errands around the house, and you're just listening to it on the podcast feed or on the radio, you can do so as well. It won't be prohibitive for you. We will Make sure to cater it to everyone, depending on your interests, so you can enjoy uh, along with us here. So I thought that a good fitting uh, introductory topic for us this season for the first film club of the year would be Connor Bedard, right? We've seen now his first three games in the NHL. I think we've been had a chance to go back and work through the tape, see some early impressions, maybe little subtleties to his game that he's already showing us on tape little things that he could possibly adjust as he gets further along into his career as the season goes along. There's so much for us to dig into here. Such a fascinating player. So Jesse, let's get into it. Yeah. Uh, I, everybody knew, I think Dimitri Connor Bedard had this really deep toolbox of offensive skills, right? We talked, we're going to talk about a shot. I'm sure we'll talk about it. Um, the, the release, you know, the volatility, the sort of ability he has to like magnetize the puck to his stick and toe drags and work around defenders. But I thought that for me anyway, and in, in sort of like this early three game sample in the first, you know, dawn of his NHL career off puck movement has really been the thing that's impressed me the most. Right. Uh, I think there's an exaggeration somewhat enlisting him at five ten, a buck 85. I don't necessarily think he's meeting that mark, especially on the weight side. They probably jacked that up a little bit, but these are big players he's going against. Right. Big size defensemen, some that have been moving guys around for years. And there's a legitimate question to ask is like when he's got the puck on a stick in transition in the offensive zone, how's he going to find space? Uh, and what's he going to do in traffic? And I think he's sort of the early processes of answering those questions. And it's kind of been fun to watch. I think, you know, the game of hockey, we, we talk about this every episode, Demetri. There's an ebb and flow that happens and how you react in those transitions where. Uh, a, a play changes from offense to defense can often dictate the course of your career. These things are happening inside of the offensive zone too, right? Uh, as a puck gets dumped into the corner, the defense is going to shift towards that corner. He has this almost ethereal understanding of where the other nine players on the ice are and the direction that he can send that puck. That's not only to a teammate or in the area of a teammate, but the opposite direction where everyone else is moving. Uh, that's been the most impressive part to me is the sort of like chess match he's playing with everyone. Where, you know, hey, at the end of the day, he's not going to cut through the middle of the ice and knock four people over, right? Uh, he's got to find creative ways to get rid of the puck, find his teammates, get to space that's that's premium real estate. And Dimitri, he's doing it with just these unbelievable one motion, no look behind the back passes uh, that keep the puck moving in a grain that, again, is the opposite direction of the one that everyone moves in. 
I'm of the opinion, I'm sure you're gonna agree with me. You can't teach this stuff, right? Like no. you, you either have it or you don't. And, and I would venture to say, you know, McDavid for me, Dimitri is always more like power, the speed, right? The speed and the skill. And, the, and I'm not saying he can't think the game in an ethereal level, but this like shades of Sidney Crosby here with the way that Bedard can set plays up and navigate through open ice. Uh, that to me has been just the most impressive part of the early part of his campaign. Well, we're going to get into all that here. And you mentioned some of the stuff that I want to talk about. I, I just think as a sweeping kind of introductory statement to what we've seen on the tape as we get a roll in here is just in watching back each shift so far with greater focus, there's two things that have stood out to me above all else. And one of them that you alluded to there is the level of detail in which everything he does incorporates. It's just so off the charts, even when he's trying stuff and it doesn't work out, it seems like almost every single motion is, has some sort of, purpose behind it right there's nothing there's nothing wasted it's almost like he he's testing what works and what doesn't and then acting accordingly there's no dumbing it down i think the fear we always have is that when a young player comes into the nhl they're just going to want to acclimate themselves and kind of fit in with everyone else and not rock the boat too much right and so they're going to kind of oversimplify or dumb down their game and then they're not going to get the results that they're used to and then everyone's going to become frustrated and then we're going to be wondering why isn't this guy producing up to all the all the reputation and all the hype and then it goes too far and they become a bust and 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 you know it just kind of spirals out of control and in this case it feels like he's for better and worse playing the game that got him to this level right that made him a phenom that made him the first overall pick that made him as hyped as he is. And I think it's a blast seeing players come into this league and do exactly that in terms of just like trying to see and test what's going to work for them. Because obviously he was able to do pretty much anything he wanted to in major junior and at all the international events for his age range. Now coming into the best league in the world, all of a sudden, some of that stuff just isn't going to work. And so it's up to him to kind of test the limits of what's possible and what's not. And I think that's exactly what we've seen in these three games. And that's really exciting from my perspective. Yeah, he's looking for weaknesses in the fence, right? And trying to find his way to bust out. Um, I think, And I think that if you go from like the early, there's already been an involution in, in a small period of time here, Dimitri, where like he's gone from, I think, testing people up the middle. That doesn't work um, to, you know, Everybody knows he's on the ice, Dimitri. He's getting a lot of attention. Players move sometimes defensively in, in packs, but he's been able to isolate one guy out of that pack and attack him and work through that in a layer that gives him that extra space he needs. So let's say you're stacking three guys at the blue line, Dimitri. He's find, finding a way to you know, sort of deceptively hide his path through the neutral zone, get himself angularly and momentum-wise into a place where he's just attacking one of those players and then working behind the rest of them with his speed. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you can see it on tape, but it's just been this real evolution for him in terms of, um, you know, how he's getting around defenders and not really skating into the teeth of them as much. Well, his brain almost is operating like a supercomputer, right? Like the ability to kind of, uh, what you're mentioning there, process stuff in real time and then recalibrate for it. It's one thing to go back after the game between games and watch tape and then be like oh this happened that's interesting and then you know try to act accordingly next time he's almost doing it sometimes within the shift but definitely on a shift to shift basis right i think in that opener in his first game in the league against the penguins there were a couple times early on where he tried to go right at either chris letang or eric carlson off the rush and found that some of the moves that he might have been able to kind of effortlessly get around other defensemen he'd played against previously weren't really working 
And then as the game went along, he sets up the first goal with almost a carbon copy that he slightly adjusted to kind of get an angle on the tank, get around to the outside, and then work it back up and let the play kind of roll out from there. And so just seeing those corrections from him, and like sometimes something might not work, but later on I assure you that if he's put in a similar spot, he's going to do something slightly different that will yield better results. That's really cool, and he's getting those opportunities because he's, he's always around the puck, right? So early in a game, if something doesn't work, that situation probably will arise again just because of how often he is around it. And so I think those mistakes that he's making, and there's certainly been some, right? Like he got caught a couple times trying to go one on three and turns the puck over, or um, he's not used to like getting the puck up against the wall. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, a fire hydrant like Nolachari just comes and hits him in, in, in the nameplate and knocks him down off the puck. And he's like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really used to this. He's going to learn the kind of intricacies of getting rid of the puck in a more timely manner in those situations. But those mistakes for me, Jesse, are a feature, not a bug, right? Like it's it's what makes him special. Sure. Yeah. And I love this clip that we're showing on the screen for those that can't see it. Uh, it's him coming from one side of the ice to the far corner uh, to just grab the puck out of a out of a deep wall scrum, take it himself, walk it to the front of the net and get a quality scoring chance. And that speaks to exactly what you were talking about earlier. Uh, there's playing within the structure of the system, which I think he's done very well. And then he, there's him identifying opportunity to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and say, mm, I don't like the way this is working. And I feel like I have a better angle in this puck, or I feel like I can just leave my position, um, you know, communicate what I'm doing. Um, I've seen him. I don't know if you've noticed this, but he's been whacking his stick on the puck uh, like loud beaver tails just one time. And you could hear his voice, even if he's in the middle of the ice from the mic on the boards. Uh, he is a very communicative player. So, it works out because when he's making these runs and he's deviating from, you know, maybe what the, the system says he should do to take an individualistic chance, everybody knows, you know, you, you can watch it on, on tape, you know, he's, you know, laying down a stick on the ice, he's yelling out to somebody, you know, he's pointing, uh, there's, you know, this is a fluid game. And the way I view Connor Bedard is, he's almost like a levy gate, right? He doesn't stop that water from rushing through. He lets it just keep going. He's like a conduit almost, you know, uh, anytime he has a touch, it's moving to an area that's going to be productive, whether that's an, again, area pass tape to tape um, one motion sweeping behind his back. He just keeps things going forward at, at a, a, an efficient level of pace that I think is rare, even of veterans of this game. Uh, they struggle with that. Um, and it's not always about like the Herculean side of it. It's just, how can I put a touch on this puck to keep it going in the right direction and keep this play moving? Well, something I've noticed with him, I mean, his movement patterns in the, I guess in all three zones, really, in terms of how he makes himself like accessible to the puck and always provides you with an opportunity to hit him if you're the teammate, but especially in the offensive zone, it's like we've seen already early into his career, he's not going to sneak up on anyone, right? Even if you haven't played against him, if you're an opponent, you're well aware of Connor Bedard and what he's capable of and kind of how highly everyone speaks of him. So you know, you watch in, in the first game on the power play, the penalty kill all of a sudden has either Nolachari or Lars Eller showing him the greatest sign of respect, which is like almost like shadowing towards him. And a couple times they were so aggressive in doing so, following him out to the line that even when he wasn't a threat, the puck would get worked down. And all of a sudden it's a four on three opportunity to work yeah. downhill. Pick your poison, for, right? Exactly, right? And so that's one thing. I guess my question for you is because his game is so predicated on that freelancing, like I think he's just going to have to not play. Like the structure is is Connor Bedard 
and it's up to everyone to work around him. He's talented enough that he's going to still able to be able to get you the puck, even if you're not on the same page as him. But his game is so predicated on timing and on rhythm and off of those unique movements for him to get open in the offensive zone that I'm curious to see what, like this is obviously kind of a transition for them, right? They bring in Taylor Hall. He gets hurt in the second game, although it sounds like the injury is not going to be as as serious as we first thought. But they bring in Ryan Donato. They're, they're, they're players who probably won't be playing with him whenever we get closer to a final form in a couple of years. And I'm sure there's going to be more organic talent that they either draft or sign or trade for along the way. But I'd almost love to see them experiment with a guy like Lucas Reichel for, with him beyond just the power play. I know they want to play him down the middle as well and give him those reps. But I just think you need elite thinkers to be able to execute on the same wavelength as him because his game isn't really like like a Nathan McKinnon or a Connor McDavid, right? They're just so like sheer force and speed that they're going to almost overwhelm and it doesn't matter what you do. But in Bedard's case, it kind of matters that his teammates are able to understand where he's going to be and where he needs them to be for them to get the most out of what he's capable of. Yeah, 100%. I think that's an unfortunate thing about the Taylor Hall injury from a fan perspective is that he's probably one of those handful of guys you'd immediately think of off your head and say, this is somebody who can make the most of a guy who can freelance like this, both with and without the puck, right? Because I stress, it's not just him taking the puck and deviating. It's it's what he does away from it, finding open space, going off the beaten path, looking for ways to get himself open and anticipating which direction the play is going to go. I think that's an important one as well. His pre-reads are very strong in terms of where a puck's going to squirt out. Um, how can I get myself in a position to be the first touch here after this wall battle's over? Uh, but you have to have players that are co-able to both read off of what he's doing, you know, process the game in more of like a freelance, audible fashion, uh, and then also co-create space. Uh, you know, I think a nightmare for a guy like Connor Bedard is that a forward that just stands in front of the net with a stick down waiting for him to shoot it. Mm. That's not going to work. You know, no. sure, you're committing one defensive resource down low in front of the net, but he needs more than that. You know, like, he, you know, you, you, he's looking for more by virtue of his movement. So uh, I, I think you're right. You know, this is a transitionary period for them. These aren't the players that he's going to make his home with, you know. But uh, I think about, you know, some of the less glamorous players that Sidney Crosby's play with. Chris Kunitz was one of the best line mates he's ever had. And he wasn't exactly the most talented guy of all time. He just knew how to get loose pucks and then get them to Sidney Crosby. Like that's the kind of player you're looking for, right? As space creators and great thinkers, um, they come in all shapes and forms. They don't have to be 50 goal scorers. They can be all manner of player. But to me, Demetri, you're wasting his ability and his talent. Um, you know, you look at the tape from junior, you look at the tape from the first three games. Uh, he likes to wheel and deal. He likes to be in motion, um, and sometimes that motion is sort of antithetical to something that you might be doing at the time, but he's one step ahead of you. That's a delicate ecosystem to play in. You know, not everybody's built for that. Uh, and there's easy ways to waste it. Well, I think, I mean, in the first three games, I can only really think of like one time where he didn't have to do it himself. And it was, I think, against the Penguins where Taylor Hall kind of brought the puck up the ice and he was able to sort of get into a soft spot and coverage in the slot and get a good shot off the rush off of it. And that's really a nice luxury to be able to have someone like Hall who can carry the puck, take some of that attention off of him and allow him to be more sneaky and finding those open spots. Otherwise, he's gonna ha he's had to do it all himself. And so I like speed with him. I like someone who can think along 
uh, that level with him. But the level of involvement here, like the number of puck touches he's seeing per game, how much he's playing, he's playing north of 22 minutes a game, um, how involved he's been. He has, Jesse, 30 shot attempts in three games. That's third in the league. Now, he's played three games. A lot of players have only played two or one so far. But Philip Forsberg leads the league with 35. Nathan McKinnon absolutely comically has 33 shot attempts in two games. Um, and then Connor Bedard is third on that list. He's got 10 scoring chances. He's set up 18 shots uh, with shot assists for his teammates. So mm. everything has been flowing through him. And he's doing that during a time where, as we've seen, and part of it is because all three of these first three games have been on the road as they start on this, I believe, five-game road trip to start the year. He's going against the top defensive assignments, right? In game one, he got a ton of Crosby, and they were and the Penguins really seemed to like using Marcus Pedersen and Eric Carlson against them. In game two, he almost exclusively saw the Hampus Lindholm, Brandon Carlo pairing. And then in game three, there was a lot of David Savard out there to kind of just frustrate him and try to block shots. And so he's doing it against top players, against guys who are shadowing him and giving him a ton of attention, and he's still been able to create this much. And I think that's why it's exciting, right? I've seen people be like, oh, it's so frustrating how the league and these broadcasts are just, you know, they're pushing this Connor Bedard story so much. Like, it's, it's getting tiring. It's like, no, they, that's this is exactly what they should be doing. I mean, first off, we always complain about how this league doesn't properly, you know, promote its young stars. But this is an 18-year-old phenom who's stepping into the NHL and immediately making things happen in very detailed, cool ways. And that's exactly what the league should be doing, promoting how fun that product can be when something like this happens. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the critical piece, right? Like, what is he doing at his age? And more importantly, again, his size, right? Like, I'm going to keep mentioning that because, you know, there's been times where he's gotten tossed around. I mean, there's a detriment to being the, the the height and weight that he is and having the build that he has. You know, I don't think it's really affected him uh, in any tangible way outside of getting knocked around a couple few times. But, uh, you know... Think about what this is going to look like in a couple years. You know, I think about what this is going to look like when he's got a full season under his belt, learning NHL defenseman tendencies, learning goaltending tendencies. Um, and I think that the one thing we haven't captured yet from him, right, is like the jaw dropping electric wrister, right? Yeah. Like it just hasn't come yet. It's going to, it'll be there before you know it. But uh, people, I don't think, have a full grasp and understanding. Like, the, I don't know that the casual observer, quite understands the velocity with which he can release the puck and there's been a lot of like you know i think uh people getting in front of him he's had a lot of shots blocked um i think he's still learning about you know what to do in situations dimitri when he comes in and he's the lone guy into the zone and he's got to wait for help i think that's been like a struggle point for him and it's led to a lot of like weird exterior perimeter shots where he's just trying to keep the play going keep something alive and you know uh, keep things running uh but how with how much he can find the middle with how much he can attack, you know, again, out and into the offensive zone against the grain. Um, it, it's the quickness quickness with which he can release this thing. Um, it's almost like there's times where you don't even see his stick move and the puck just goes off of it at 90 miles an hour. Uh, and you're thinking, how is this, how is this physically possible? Uh, all of this work we talk about is leading up to getting into space where he can use that. Um, and again, I think, We've been talking this whole time about you could see this evolution game by game of him like getting into different spaces and different areas to try to release that thing. Uh, you know, <laughs> there, there's going to be a time where I think um, you know, you're going to look back on these early games and laugh because, uh, you know, he's not getting a lot through now. 
But once he starts to, I think, figure out lanes and and especially what to do when he's got little to no gap coming into the zone, um, mastering that is going to unlock a whole new set of possibilities for him. Well, that's the thing. As as impressive and productive as he's been, and he's got a point in every game, right? He's got a goal, two assists. The goal came off of kind of like one of these plays we're talking about where it was a multiple effort. You know, it gets, gets into the zone off a crafty play, uh, gets a shot off, gets his own rebound, wraparound goal. He hasn't actually scored off of what was, you know, billed as the main event or the biggest tool yeah. in his toolkit so far. And it hasn't been for a lack of effort. He's gotten the shots off, as we as we've mentioned. The thing is, is like, there's no size concerns for me here in terms of like physicality or anything. Like he's so crafty at getting around. The adjustment he's had has actually been, I think, with just like the defensive sticks and reach and the caliber of that at this level. And maybe part of it is, you know, in the first three games, he's gone up against a lot of Ryan Graves, Brandon Carlo, who are like two of the biggest reach monsters in the league. And then David Savard, who's basically just like, programmed to stand in front of the net and block shots and yeah. so that can be very frustrating for a shooter like him we've seen still though even though he hasn't connected on them what a what a threat that shot can be how quickly it comes off and just like that dragon release how scary that could be so there's no doubt in my mind that as we get going here with more games he's going to rattle off a run where a bunch of those turn into goals and become highlight worthy plays and that's I, I can't wait for that, right? It's, it seems like it's only a matter of time. It could happen. They're playing the Leafs tonight. It could happen at any point, and I'm just waiting for it because that's sort of almost been like the last puzzle of this puzzle piece of this so far that we haven't really seen lock into place yet. Yeah, that's it. Um, I, I think we're going to get a lot of opportunity to see it too on that power play, Dimitri. I'm, I'm a big fan of having him up at the top of the point by himself. Mm. It unlocks just a world of possibilities for him up there. Um, and I don't know that I've seen a lot of penalty killers that are brave enough to go up there and try to challenge him because there's a very real chance you're going to end up on sports center the next morning for all the wrong reasons. Uh, it's very difficult to dispossess him of the puck in a situation like that. Um, and people seem to be respecting it. Uh, you know, there's the shot. We've talked about that. We've talked about the vision being in that position allows him to work both inward and outward. Uh, to distribute the puck in ways that he sees fit based on whatever that situation calls for. Uh, there was a situation, um, I, mean, I think we might actually have it somewhere on here, but uh, he's at the point on the power play, there's a lane right down the middle of the ice and he threw the little English on it and mm-hmm. killed the puck right down the center uh, to the front of the net uh, for a prime scoring chance. And it was just like he was playing bocce, you know. Uh, <laughs> and the creativity that that spot gives him is completely unbelievable. Uh, and and we've already seen him sort of like attacking the middle more, right? Um, getting into position where, um, you know, he's he's already commanding the space, right? We've talked about this cushion, this hat that, that he's got up at the top of the, the point. Um, he's using that cushion to get closer and closer and closer to scoring areas. He's eating it up. Um, you know, that, that to me has been um, a lot of fun to watch. And there's just sort of this like evolving level of aggression from him. Uh, on the power play that we've gotten to see where he's, I think almost sort of becoming cognizant that people are uh, afraid to go up there, even though he's a forward and challenge him at the point. Um, he's kind of taking that and running with it. Well, you kind of have to move him around. I, I think that's smart. It also speaks to his versatility that he's not necessarily just doesn't have to be set in that one spot to be effective there it is right as there, we yeah. see the play there. And it actually led to the, to the goal against the Habs. I mean, that was the touch he put on it to get it to Perry. It was absolutely ridiculous. And 
you're right. You kind of want to move around just to maintain that level of unpredictability. The, the pieces around him are necessarily ideal. I still think at this point to maximize on a lot of the opportunities he creates, but that's fine. It's uh, this isn't the end game for them. I, I like I like him at the top. I mean, obviously, in an ideal world, you do all of this just so that when he gets into that prime shooting position, he's got a bit more airspace because if teams are going to be sitting on it. You don't, even if it does create four on threes for the rest of the teammates, he's so much more talented than them that I want him still factoring into the play, right? Mm-hmm. I much prefer a five on four play where Connor Bedard has the puck on his stick as opposed to a four on three play where Ryan Donato has it on his stick or something, right? And so uh, how they move him around and how they uh, move all those pieces will be fun to watch moving forward. But yeah, uh, the top of that set on the power play is certainly a, an interesting place to put him. Yeah, it gives them the opportunity to make a lot of runs. And I and I think he creates sort of like these micro odd man breaks, almost if that makes sense. You know, if he's got somebody on the wall, you know, he gets around them. Um, he's got 15 feet of space in front of him and somebody, you know, alongside him somewhere to help him out. So, um, you know, it's just that, again, I got to go back to it. That understanding of which direction to go is just so critical for me. Um, and you'll, you routinely see him. And I think this is a mark of a lot of really great scoring forwards um around the world is is the ability to head the opposite direction that the play is going take yourself completely out of the the fray and then re-enter it unmarked uh from my money he's already got he's already got that part down uh and then you know posturally dimitri he's so good at constantly being available for something you know he's got his shoulders open a lot you know almost playing angrily to where his guy is so if something comes through to him quickly, he doesn't have to make an adjustment. Boom, puck's gone, right? He's already got it open. Uh, and he's almost like walking around with this thing like half cocked and loaded, ready to go, you know, the whole time. So uh, I've, I've, to me, again, uh, there, there's just a high level of communication that takes place from him with his body, right? Um, he's speaking when he's got his arms open like that and that stick, you know, jacked up a little bit. That's a message to the puck carrier, like, I'm here, give it to me. Um, and he doesn't have to say anything or tap the stick on the ice. It's just a, it's a posture of somebody who wants and is about to shoot a puck. Uh, and I think he carries that with him through so many transitional offensive moments that, um, you know, uh, you get him a couple uh, super talented playmakers. Like we said earlier, you know, the player profiles we were talking about. Um, there's a lot of really interesting give and go potentials um, playing with a guy like that. Well, it's almost like how in, like I listen to a lot of like NFL podcasts and they always talk about the differentiators in in caliber of quarterback play in particular, like arm strength in terms of being able to throw it in between the numbers versus on the outside and kind of how that opens the field for you, just being able to execute on those different routes. And that's almost kind of the same thing here, right? I think it's going to take a certain requisite talent level just to be able to like recognize and then get the puck to Bedard where he's getting here because you're watching these clips. It's remarkable how, he's funneling through that middle despite being an undersized player. He's so fearless, but he's also just able to get lost and then all of a sudden pop up wide open. And there's times where it's lost because they weren't able to get him the puck, but it's very encouraging that he's still getting to those spots on the ice just time and time again and understanding that that is the most dangerous place for him to be as opposed to just can't kind of hanging around on the outskirts in the offensive zone and being a bit more tentative. I guess the analogy I'd make for it, Dimitri, is he sets fire to your kitchen. And while you're putting that fire on the kitchen, he set fire to the bedroom upstairs. You know, <laughs> like you've just barely gotten that fire in the kitchen now and he's already lit another one. Um, and you can smell it, but there's nothing you can do about it. So he keeps putting himself, like you said, in these like second and third attack positions um, where it's just, again, you know, all good players have this is the understanding of where the puck is going to go. You know, 
Um, and, and you can see him, you know, um, I think it, whether it's in the defensive zone or the offensive zone, knowing that natural break point, you know, and that natural, where should I wave the white flag here? Like, where have we, when have, when have we really lost? You know, he'll, he, I think he lingers about and gives his teammates a lot of benefits of the doubt to say, like, hasn't affected him defensively. Right. But where a lot of players will like turn up ice and maybe say like, eh, you know, live to fight another day. He either enters the fray or puts himself in this position that no one else is in where this, Oh, look there, where did it score out? Right to Connor Bedard, right? How did he know that? Uh, so it's, it's, it's the understanding of, of not abandoning ship. And I, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd be just fine if he didn't even try to play defense. I don't care. Like whatever, let him go, let him do whatever he wants in the defensive zone. Like let him freelance. He's committed. He's present. Right. But it, to me, it's the timing, right. And the ability to say like, now is the time to go. Now is the time to support. Uh, it, it's all timed so well to where like the puck is just hitting his stick at just the right moments. He knows when to make those runs. He knows when to break off um and 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 you know enter the fray like i said i mean it's just you know it, we talk about him being a conduit right this is what i'm talking about is the stuff where he's just you know getting the puck and then quickly releasing it or being in the right position to release it in the first place it just keeps things moving forward it keeps things rolling up ice seamlessly um and and you just this is not a household trait right this is not knowing the you know lingering a little too long in the offensive zone is the thing that most coaches or defensive zone, or yeah offensive zone is probably a thing that coaches hate right they don't like that they want you to be in position in the neutral zone to quell the breakout that's going to inevitably come from the other team uh, but he's just got that sense for you know where you'd see someone else peel off and he stays and knows almost inherently that that thing's not dead yet so um yeah i'm right there with you well look at the support here Andreas Athanasiu gets himself into a tough spot. One on two, all of a sudden comes all the way from the point, understands right. where it's going to go. And that was in the power play, right? Like he's the no, look, no, look at that. Oh, this that's, is even strength. The Bruins, okay, the Bruins have five defenders out there, which makes it even more impressive. I think it was against Carlo and Lindholm. I mean, yeah, that understand. Like he obviously just understands he has that level of of intellect where he knows and feel for the game. He knows where the puck's going to go. Look how much, look I, how much space he traveled there too. Right. Like I know that people on the podcast can't see, but I just, we're talking about going from the blue line to the corner. Like well, that just, is a long pathway. That's great. I, I, I do say this a little bit in jest, but I echo what you're saying in the sense that especially this year, I mean, isn't this, hasn't the, there's these first three games and I'm sure there's going to be a patch where this isn't the case and they just get absolutely blown out of the water, but losing games while still doing so in a competitive manner where guys like Bedard and Reichel and Korczynski are getting high value reps and like opportunity to, to get all of this under their belt for when it does matter. That's kind of the best case scenario, right? Like you don't, I don't eventually, I guess it'll matter depending on how the rest of the team is constructed around him. But for the most part, it doesn't really matter like defensively and, and stuff like that. I want him cheating a little bit to get out, in transition because otherwise as we've seen this team's probably going to struggle to create offense when he's not on the ice for the most part and so yeah that, that's our best yeah. or clearest path towards generating chances let's kind of double down on that and it doesn't matter i don't think he's gonna he understands the game so well already that i don't i don't think cheating for offense a little bit this season is gonna all of a sudden hamper him in terms of oh he's learning bad habits for the future like i think he's gonna understand that even defensively if you know where the puck is going to go, you know where you need to be. And so 
I'm not worried about that as a future sort of development for yeah. him. Yeah, bad habit to me would be seeing the opportunity to take that puck and or or get into that position and not taking it, right? Like that's the bad habit. Um, you know, that that's sort of like non-interest in defense for the betterment of the team is your only, like you said, the golden ticket, right? That's your that's your easy zone entry and your easy way to 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 get the pressure out and relief from your defensive zone. So no, I agree with you. And I think that uh, you know, again you mentioned this already, right? But like the evolution of his zone entry game is something that I'm particularly intrigued in. Um, And like, that was a great clip right there where you've got a pack of four penguins together. Right. And you see, you know, maybe I could take this in the middle. Maybe no, it's, it's, it's trying to isolate one out of that pack of four, right? How can I approach this situation with a speed and B angle that allows me to get this puck from my, from forehand to backhand or vice versa around one of these four players and behind the pack as a whole. That's, I think to me, what I'm, I'm looking for more of, you know, we've talked a lot about skating into the teeth so far on the show. Um, you know, I think that's still been, a, you know, it's obviously it's been a learning because we played three games in the league, but <laughs> that's still been the biggest evolution for me is that like sense of understanding, um, you know, where he's at in sort of the grand scheme of the four check. Right. Mm. Um, the other team's four check, not his own. Um, the other team's four check. And there's sort of like, I think some of the longer journeys taken with the puck on his stick have sort of been like self isolating almost. Right. And like he puts him in these weird positions where he doesn't really have a pass. He doesn't really have a shot. And he's like in a sort of side of the net area with a lot of coverage on him. Um, that it's going to come with time. But isn't that, right? that, I think that I view that as kind of a necessity in the grand scheme of things. Right. That's why I said it's kind of like a, a feature and not a bug because it's like, ultimately i think it's gonna be a net positive because in a lot of those cases certainly he skates himself into trouble turns the puck over it's like all right you can't go one on three the way you used to maybe last season at the same time a number of those times maybe not one on three but one on two he's drawing a defender and he's dropping the puck off and all of a sudden that's how they've created a couple of their goals so far through just him attracting that attention and then getting it into open space and so that's kind of that's part of the package, right? It's kind of what you get. You get the turnovers, but you also get the scintillating plays that only a handful of players in the world can do time and time again. I think that as he ages, though, we'll see more tempo change-ups. That's, right. that's what I'm saying is is going in, blowing up, waiting for help, and then taking off again. It's just, you know, you're right, ultimately. It's not a bug. Um, it's a feature. Um, you don't want him not carrying the puck. But I think there was a mastering of tempo manipulation via, like, edging, starting and stopping using the boards that he had that hasn't bloomed in this environment yet. Well, right? it's basically yeah. it's what we, it's the path we saw with Jack Hughes the past three years. I, mean, I, right? I had the last thing I wrote on my notepad for the show is talk about Jack Hughes and it's not because of uh, his start to the season, but like you look at the evolution that he took and it, it pretty much, it's exactly that, right? Like, and now that like the final form of the Jack Hughes evolution is like this, monster that's 10 pounds bigger than he was the year prior after he learned all these other amazing things about controlling tempo and pace to the game uh you toss that on as like a a winner i could see the same thing happening here right like and i don't think that like Connor bedard will never in my opinion be a player that uses size to generate offense Um, but i think it's going to allow him to withstand certain styles of defensive presence a lot better in the future um, and and stand up against some of those tactics in a way that maybe he can't do now. Uh, but yes, that's, I mean, this is an information gathering period for him, right? Like that's, that's what we're doing. We're building our database. We're learning tendencies. 
you know, understanding how goalies lean and how they react to, to where I put my hands and all of that stuff is ongoing. Right. Um, if you listen to Taylor Hall today, uh, he would tell you that the number of intermission interviews Connor Burrard is doing is chewing into that information <laughs> data bank. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. That pathway, I think, has very much uh, been forged uh, on the Hughes side, and, and you kind of lean towards maybe it going in a very similar fashion here. I'm not really worried about him having a lack of information gathering, because if you watch some of those clips of like him on the bench, he's like, he's just like eyes wide open, and he's almost, I, I mentioned Brain is a supercomputer. He's almost like, he's like, running the numbers in yeah. his head and, 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 and like, Oh, yeah, the, the last sequence, that's what I just saw. Okay. Register that in the bank. I'm going to come back to that later. And he's, yeah, I mean, everything like I, I, it might go without saying, cause it's like, yeah, young players get better and especially players of this caliber, like as 18, when he 22, he's going to look wildly different, but I do. He does strike me as one of these players that is going to, in a Sidney Crosby-like fashion every offseason, go back into the lab and just add something for the next season that totally changes the equation for defenders against him, right? Because it just seems like, you see that clip of the official being like, oh, like you're going to be have a great career or something. And he just like wants none of that. Like he, he like he's already just trying to like build on it as opposed to um, just being happy with being at this point. And so, I mean, the sky's the limit certainly, but you know, information gathering, I think for us, it is as well, because I, I thought he'd be really good and really lethal on the power play right away. But I was like, ah, especially on this team, I'm, we've seen young players struggle at five on five. I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what that's going to look like. And they're not necessarily dominating with him on the ice, but when he's out there, they've had so many extended shifts in the offensive zone where they're kind of layering chance after chance and rebounds and kind of keeping the other team hemmed in. And then none of that when he's off the ice. And so he's already driving five-on-five results, which for an 18-year-old playing his first three games is something I wasn't necessarily expecting, even though I, I had sky-high expectations for him. Well, you mentioned the deployment, right? I mean, to have, you know, look, he's got a 55% share of the expected goal line um, through the first three games of even strength. I mean, that's, and, it's not, and it's not that without him. Right. Without him, I think yeah. it's in like in the low 40s. Amen to that. You know, um, I, we got to acknowledge, you know, that first night, you know, he went against Sidney Crosby, and I think, you know, Won the battle. I mean, right. the, no, Crosby, I think... Crosby had that one shift, obviously, with the Crosby Gensel magic on the uh, on the give and go, where they completely caught the Blackhawks out of position. But for the most part, like I wouldn't say like, oh, he was stifled in any way. No, um, and it's different because you know Crosby Crosby's responsibilities as a center don't always land him on Connor Bedard, right? Mm. But there were a bunch of times where I think Crosby was late to Bedard. You know, I, I don't think. If you think about this from Sidney Crosby's perspective, he's been in the league for a really long time. He kind of feels like you got to beat on everybody. And here comes this kid taking the most unorthodox path through the offensive zone that you've ever seen. Like, you know, that's, that's an adjustment for everybody. So I thought that, uh, you know, you're, you're spot on. It's, it, you, I, I keep going back to this point, but he just, so much of the little stuff that he does elongates those shifts. Right. And they're not complicated inside out toe drags. I mean, those are great. I love those. They're phenomenal. There, there are little area plays where you'll see him dive out, get a blade on it, Dimitri, and just push it 10 feet to keep it away from a defenseman. You know, he's making these desperation leaps and these, you know, he gets knocked down to the ice. He sweeps his stick along the ice surface, right, as he's falling to keep the puck in the zone. You know, these little micro moments where he does, you know, something seemingly innocuous in the moment, uh, but the play has stayed alive, you know, specifically because of that action. 
um, and because of that thing that he did. So, um, you know, it's just, you know, we just saw that clip there on the screen of him just in, in the breakout, just m- seamlessly moving the puck in directions to keep it open. I mean, it's just a beautiful thing. So, uh, you know, that, you know, we talk about, the, I, I think, I think, I don't want to go back to this well, Dimitri, but there's so many different types of players you could put with him, right? Like the possibilities, granted, they all, we all, we know they have to be able to stink the game at a high level, uh, but you know, really strong, smart finishers could play with him. Uh, you know, long-term like g- possession style grinders that like to work on the wall could play with him, you know, set up people could play with him. I mean, I think anybody who, who can work off that motion um, and has that sort of sixth sense about them, um, you know, is, is a really great fit, but uh, that that's been to me, um, you know, the most fun part of it to watch is that, it, that sort of in zone work and um, those quick little touches and plays that he can make to, to keep plays alive and generate goals out of seemingly or chances out of seemingly nowhere. Well, you mentioned that uh, the Crosby wasn't on him that much in that matchup. There was there was that clip that I saw afterwards where he's on the bench talking to a teammate, I forget who, and, and he's sort of mentioning a play um, about how he's like, oh, like, you know how Crosby likes to get his stick horizontal on the ice? Kind of we think of Mark Stone doing that, right, where he puts a stick down, knocks it down, gets the steal when you're trying to pass the puck along the ice against him. And he's like, oh, I, I forgot that Crosby likes to do that too. I feel lucky that I got a pass through to Seth Jones doing that. And it's like, man. Well, just, just speaking of like student of the game or sort of like running the numbers, understanding what's going to happen. The fact that, he, yeah, like that level of awareness, right. Sure of like what's going to be tendency dialed in already. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Although I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's studied. I mean, we, we hear all about how, you know, he watched, he used to watch Austin Matthews clips on YouTube of that uh, dragon release shot, certainly, but I have no doubt that there was a ton of uh, watching Crosby tape as well to kind of like see what he's doing and try to incorporate it as well as, uh, as all the young great players are doing these days. Um, and w- so what else here? Like we've got a couple more minutes on Bedard. Is there anything else that's either caught your eye or kind of stuff you're watching for here? I mean, what a, uh, talk about like running the gauntlet from an opponent slash uh, stage perspective, right? Start the year in prime time against Crosby and the Penguins back to back at Boston. Then you go to Montreal for hockey net in Canada for their uh, home opener playing at Toronto, at Colorado, and then goes Vegas, Boston, Vegas again. So uh, I'm curious to see, especially in those Vegas games, if uh, if the five-on-five performance can stay above that 50% mark. And if it does, then maybe we're going to have to do another full episode on this because he's going to have shown even more on tape. But yeah, I mean, it's just going to be test after test, right? And, uh, and it's been quite a start to the year. So I'm kind of curious to see what these next couple of weeks look like for him and the, uh, and the Blackhawks. Me too. I'm looking forward, like I said, to those, to that shot, really getting a good, a good run of a showcase. Uh, and you know, his ability, Dimitri to keep, you know, it's, it's not just that he can go inside out. It's not just that step over toe drag. We talked about all the time. It's just the ability to keep the puck on his stick in the most bizarre and compromised circumstances. It's almost magic, you know, almost like he's got a magnet, uh, in the puck and one on a stick that keep the two connected to each other at all times. Um, you know, I, I guess not so much a comment, but just advice to people is watch that, uh, the way that he uses sort of like Michigan's Michigan goal style momentum in other areas that aren't the Michigan goal to manipulate the puck. You know, it's almost like he's taken the Michigan goal as a case study and how I can use momentum right to my advantage in situations like that and applied it to just everything he does. Right his release has elements of that in it. 
um, you know, his toe drag has elements of that in it. Um, it just seems like it's become this intrinsic part of his game. And this, I think, is the future of, like, the skill set we're seeing from, like, some of these future draft classes is a lot of this stuff, right? Is a lot of YouTube montage influence behavior, which I think is great for hockey. I think it's great for us to be able to watch it. Um, but that, to me, is the thing that I'm taking notes on the most because it just seems so uncanny. Um, and just the understanding of how you can kind of have to, like, use your wrists to be able to accomplish that you almost get the sense he's rewired a lot of his core hockey tendencies to accommodate um you know elements again uh of that goal um and using puck-based momentum to create scoring opportunities for yourself yeah then that the, the goal his first career goal against the bruins that touch in the neutral zone to knock the puck down and then get it to a teammate just to enter the zone is uh is highlight worthy in right, and of man. itself, right? That's that, the pass I'm talking about, though, yeah. right? He takes his stick almost across his body with the puck and throws it behind himself from his weak side. Mm-hmm. Like that's the, the you know, like that's a recipe for disaster for most guys. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have the ability to like not give that away. Um, but you know, th- that you know, that that's that's why it's so important to have your stick down around this guy, right? Yeah. Because they could just he could let it go at any moment. Um, and if you're carrying this thing around uh, at waist level, um, you know, he's going to catch you with your, with your pants down, but the, so to speak. The scary or what makes it so impossible is if uh, I'm sure something's going to come out that works defensively and then he will make the yeah. requisite adjustment. And then all of a sudden that will stop being as effective. Right. And yeah. so uh, that, that, that cat and mouse game is always uh, exciting to watch. Jesse, who's going to be our, uh, who's going to be our next muse. We're going to try to do these like once every couple of weeks, go into the lab, watch tape, and then pull stuff out. Uh, we did a lot of players last year, so we definitely don't want to uh, double dip, at least not right away, just because there's so many exciting players in the league. I feel like we don't we don't need to. Um, I want to keep highlighting new players and exciting stuff. I was thinking, like, I know we did Clayton Keller last year. Um, maybe we need to do Clayton Keller and Logan Cooley. Well, that's what I was going to say. I think maybe <laughs> maybe we just need to do our Coyotes, you know? Yeah. Uh, more yeah. and more people are, are, are saying it. So, yeah. uh, I, I mean, that team... We've only seen one game of theirs so far, and it was against the it's Devils. Pretty who good I think team. Going to bring fun games out of a lot of teams, but they were exciting as heck. And Cooley's debut in particular was already showing a lot of the stuff that I think you and I kind of drool over. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe that's going to be a good one. Uh, let the listeners know where they can check you out and uh, and plug a few things here now that we're back into the new season. Yeah, so uh, we'll be talking about the Penguins power play on The Athletic coming up for worse or better, regardless uh, <laughs> of how the next couple of games go, uh, and taking a look at like the Eric Carlson presence. And then I'm going to be on McKean's again this year, uh, doing um, you know whatever I want, basically. Uh, so I think we're going to start with a little trip out to Los Angeles, um, maybe taking a look at some players out there. I love Kevin Fiala. Um, uh, oh, that that Dubois, Fiala, Laferriere. Oh, so Mine, good. That's, that's probably where I'm going to go to the well on first, so... Uh, maybe that's maybe that's one of our muses as well. I'm excited. Well, we were talking if if, if Kenny Malkin keeps this up, oh, I mean, his yeah. first three oh. games, he didn't have the points in in the opener against the Blackhawks, even though he had set up quite a few uh, just fantastic chances. Vintage but then junior. obviously went off games two and three. Looks uh, looks re-energized. I mean, he was he was really good last year. Obviously, the team didn't have the season it wanted, but him and Crosby were phenomenal. But man, like this level of Malkin, I think is going to deserve its own deep dive, even though I think most people are already familiar with his, uh, his tricks. Yeah. He said yesterday, Dimitri, I hope I wake up tomorrow on the season's over so I can win the heart trophy. <laughs> uh, Jesse, this was blast, man. I'm glad yeah. we're, I'm glad we're back doing this. Hopefully the listeners 
enjoyed it and uh and let us know and you know another thing i'm i'm experimenting with with this video and and having the show on youtube as well we're also going to experiment with i'm going to create a uh a discord page for for the podcast um we'll put it in the show notes uh if you can't find it or you're curious or interested in it feel free to dm me message me reach out i will send you an invite link and you know hopefully we can create a little community for uh for hockey fans to to talk about the game we love uh thoughtfully but also it'll maybe give us a chance to kind of like stay a step ahead and people who listen to this and are interested in either talking to us about it or suggesting future players for us to deep dive can uh can give us a shout there so i think that'll be a good good way for us to kind of crowdsource who we want to give the uh the film club treatment to yeah would appreciate a shout for will carrier if you guys get in the discord oh my (laughs) no (laughs) <laughs> there's a lot of new exciting players uh we haven't done him yet uh i think he's just gonna have to be the player that we mentioned keep it running. we're gonna be like oh apologies to will carrier we didn't get a chance to get to him on today's show hopefully we'll give him the lifetime the award, yeah yes uh otherwise for me no real plugs just uh just leave us a five-star rating leave a review for the show uh and once again thank you for for listening to us and we'll be back with plenty more of the hockey pdo cast as always streaming on the Sportsnet Radio Network.